The opinions and viewpoints expressed in .NET Rocks are not necessarily those of its sponsors or of Microsoft Corporation, its partners, or employees. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, which is solely responsible for its content. Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. Rockheads, quit skinning your portal for a minute and listen up. It's time for another stellar episode of .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers with Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. This is Lawrence Ryan, here to announce show number 275 with Jack Harrington, recorded live Tuesday, September 11, 2007. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. And now, bringing world-class expert-led training in C-Sharp, ASP.NET, VB.NET, SharePoint, BizTalk, Team System, and Workflow Foundation on-site to your development team. Details online at www.franklins.net. Support is also provided by Telerik, combining the best in Windows forms and ASP.NET controls with first-class customer service. Online at www. .telerik.com And by Data Dynamics, makers of ActiveReports.net, simple, powerful, and cost-effective reporting for Windows Forms and ASP.NET web applications. Online at www.datadynamics.com Support is also provided by Code Magazine, the leading independent magazine for .NET developers. Online at www.code-magazine.com And now, the man whose status bar is flashing JavaScript error, Carl Franklin. Thank you very much and welcome back to .NET Rocks. It's Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell here. Hi, Richard. Hello, sir. How are you? Another day, another week. I'm shaking off the jet lag of uh, SDC in the Netherlands. Yeah, uh, you had fun. I did, and you didn't. <laughs> I didn't really explain what happened on the show. I just no. said, let's just say I'm never flying through Newark Airport again. <laughs> and that's the truth. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, it would have been fine if my bags hadn't gone to another city. Yeah. Long and short of it. That's bad. All right. Well, anyway, let's get started right away with Better Know a Framework. <laughs> Richard, today's Better Know Framework is actually an email that we got from Paul Brown and uh, in response to a previous Better Know Framework. And he says, hi, Carl and Richard. And, you know, this is what I love about Better Know Framework because, you know, we always get people who send us related stuff. Yeah. And it's so cool to just have this ongoing discussion about uh, about stuff in the framework that you may or may not know is there. So, I mean, it's so vast. It's nice to know that other people are digging in the framework and finding things we don't know about. That's right. Right. So, uh, Paul Brown says, Hi, Carl and Richard. I've been listening to the show since number 50-something and absolutely love what you do. 
If you'd allow me, I have two short points. One, after listening to BKAF, should we start calling it BCAF? I don't know. I don't think so. No, I don't think so, no. After listening to the Better Know Framework you did the other week, Carl, on downloading a file, I thought I'd let you know about the web client class that does just what you described, but in one line of code. Something like this, web client WC equals new web client, or just WC equals new web client for you VV people. WC.download file, address, local file name. That's pretty easy. That's pretty easy. There's also an async version and loads of other interesting stuff crammed into this gem of a class. And uh, uh, and then he talked about seeding the podcasts and stuff, uh, which is uninteresting. But anyway, uh, he says, just a short note, my wife heard a little of the Eric Meyer show over the weekend and called me a big geek. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to be reminded once in a while. Keep up the great work, Paul. Paul... Thank you very much. You're gonna, we're going to send you a, uh, a, a .NET Rocks mug or something. And let's talk about this class, system.net.webclient. Um, he, he, he's absolutely right. It does exactly what he said it does. It has a download file. It also has a download data, which downloads data from uh, a URI. And the download data method takes a URI or a URL, and it returns a byte array. How cool is that? So, I mean, nice. if you just want to download it as an array of bytes instead of as a file, you can do that as well. And uh, brilliant stuff. Thank you, Paul. Richard, over to you for fan email. Oh, yeah. I got to read you this one. You'll, you'll get a good chuckle out of it. It's from Jonathan Miller, and the subject is, You Blow It. <laughs> Dear Carl and Richard, I just finished listening to show 274 with Charlie Calvert and Beth Massey on Orcus, and well... You blew it. When Beth asked Richard, with pen and paper in hand, mind you, what he wanted in Visual Studio, he didn't know. (laughs) Then, to make matters worse, Carl, you didn't jump in and recite your list either. (laughs) It is times like these that I wish I was listening to .NET Rocks from a live studio audience. Right. That way I could jump in in times like this with my own two cents or heckle you and the guests as I deemed appropriate. <laughs> However, even if I could yell out my wish list from the audience, I wonder, would it go over any better than yelling at my monitor while listening to the show at the office? A spell checker! A spell checker, <laughs> damn it, Richard! Just say it! How can I maintain my level of smug superiority over the QA people when they constantly point out my inability to spell every time they receive a code to test? Just give me one of those MS Word squiggly on the string literals in C-sharp and VB. Yeah. <laughs> in the future, I would advise both of you to have a complete wish list of Visual Studio features on your person at all times. Sincerely, Jonathan Miller. Jonathan, thanks. That made me laugh. <laughs> now, spell wait a checker. second. That's what's on your list? A spell checker? Yeah, I think it was somewhat tongue-in-cheek, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. The funny part is, we were both staggered. Right at that moment, I was drew a total blank. All the stuff I've done in studio, and at the moment when you're asked, I think we both did. Like, I, we may have edited it so that we didn't sound as stunned as we actually were. But it's, gee, I don't know. But you know what? Here's the thing. Like, I, I don't code nine to five, right? So I'm not one of those guys who like gets angry every time 
I, I think of a feature that I don't have that's causing my pinky to hurt. You know what I'm saying? Right. So for me, I work around what's there and I don't complain. I just write the code when I need to write it, but I'm not writing it every day. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I think we're coding uh, in the volume that really brings up those usability, those real characteristics of Studio that matter. I love Studio, and I love Orcus. I yeah. love it just the way it is, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, Richard, we have a brain bag to give away. Oh. Yeah. Every week, of course, we've been uh, doing the .NET Rocks Barcelona uh, sweepstakes, the Tech Ed Europe sweepstakes, actually. In fact, the uh, prizes have nothing to do with Tech Ed Europe. <laughs> It's kind of funny, but well, that they they are the things that developers want. That's true, and that's that's the whole idea to get you a little bit more engaged. So every every week we post a question from uh, the previous week, uh, you know, something from the show that if you were listening, you might have gotten right. And uh, last week's question was: How many copies were printed of Scott Kate's novel Surveillance? All right. The answer was actually two hundred, and you knew that if you were listening. And uh, from all of the right answers, we picked one at random, and the winner is Robert Stewart from Park Forest, Illinois. Congratulations, nice. Robert. Woohoo! Golf clap for you, my friend. And now he's got a brain bag, and he's entered into the final drawing at the end of the contest, end of October, to win one of two 24-inch 1920 by 1200 LCD monitors. You got it. Good luck on that. We're going to choose that on October 30th. So this week's question, which you should all be running out to .netrocks.com slash Barcelona to answer. This week's question is, in episode 274 with Beth Massey and Charlie Calvert, what stereotypical label did Carl attach to out-of-work Fox Pro developers of the female persuasion? If you think you know the answer to that, go to uh, .netrocks.com slash Barcelona, and may the best person win. By the way, Richard, we got an email from our old friend Jim Duffy. Oh, yes. Speaking of Fox developers. Yes, and uh, Jim, of course, and uh, Rod Paddock sort of were well-known celebrities. I say were because they are has-beens who should give <laughs> up. In the Fox Pro community, such as it was in the past. <laughs> and he writes to say, Mr. Campbell and Mr. Franklin, a little birdie told me that I may have been called out on DNR this week. Well, not just me, but Mr. Rod Paddock and I. I listened to the segment, and yes, it could be interpreted that you could have intended to refer to Mr. Paddock and myself. In the future, may I suggest that instead of thinly veiled references to us collectively, that you go ahead and provide us with the exposure, notoriety, and questionable PR that comes along with one having their name uttered on your show. Thank you, and have a nice day. Infamously yours, Mr. James Duffy. P.S. I've got to get back to coding in VB so I can eat. <laughs> <sighs> and there Fantastic. you go. One last thing to announce is that if uh, you're looking to, for a change of pace in your career and you want to move to New York City and live rent-free in an apartment in Manhattan and work in the financial district doing exciting .NET work, uh, there's an offer from Infusion. Uh, great group of guys down in Manhattan. If you're interested in that story, it's at shrinks.com slash KH6. 
And uh, Shrinkster.com still not back up, but yes, it is redirecting URLs, so you can still go to Shrinkster sites. Uh, look for that in another week or so. Excellent. Okay, and so it's time to introduce Jack Harrington. Jack is a full-time ASP.NET programmer. He's also the author of three books and over 100 articles that cover a wide spectrum of technologies, not just .NET. In his spare time, he's a triathlete who will be competing in the Nautica Malibu Triathlon this weekend. Jack, welcome to the show. Thanks. It's great to be here. This weekend, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm driving down on uh, Friday, going to get a convertible rental car, take it down from the Bay Area to uh, Malibu and have some fun. And this spread of books is pretty eclectic. Code Generation in Action, Podcasting Hacks, and PHP Hacks. Right. Lots of different stuff. Well, you piqued my interest with Podcasting Hacks. That That was a fun book, right? Is that uh, covering recording and publishing? Oh, yeah. All of it. Yeah, and consuming and uh, all the different, you know, kind of hack stuff. You can, there's even a little bit on video casting as well and putting together like a teleprompter and all that sort of stuff. So it's really a fun book to write, actually. Yeah, it sounds great. a lot of new people that I hadn't, you know, met before and it was great. So let's talk about your experience with technologies other than .NET and then we'll focus on the .NET stuff for a bit. Sure. Um, So I... Also, in addition to writing the, you know, the articles, I also do Ajax forum moderation for IBM Developer Works Ajax forum, um, and answer people's questions about all different types of Ajax issues, uh, different libraries that they can use, like jQuery or prototype. Um, and I do, uh, write articles about Flex as well, and I've been trying to pitch some articles about, uh, Silverlight, but not a lot of people are biting at this point, so. You know, trying to get that technology out there as well. I've been doing some, uh, yeah, I've been a big WPF advocate since WPF, mm-hmm. but that was very sexy and, uh, always waiting for WPFE. And I kind of embraced it around, uh, one of the first betas that came out when it was integrated with, with JavaScript, which I think is still a really compelling story. Um, although the, the focus now seems to be more on the binary version of, of Silverlight, which is, a uh, whole contradiction in ideas all by itself, really. It's Think amazing that it. they call that 1.1 when it's such a radical change. Right, right. I mean, I think honestly, you know, I, I like, I like all these little incremental technologies. I like yeah. how Ajax took, uh, your basic web page and, and added a new workflow to it. So you could go and have the page go off and get some new data and update the DOM, which we'd always had the ability to do, right? And then Google Gears, as an example, added on, you know, yet another small incremental addition to that stack. So now I could have persistent data storage on the client. And when I when WPFE first came out, I thought it was an interesting incremental add as well. You know, here you could go and have this kind of new uh, canvas to work in in JavaScript. And you could go and do, you know, vector graphics, or you could, do, you know, you can do some animations. You could do things like that. You know, it was kind of comparable to SVG, but even a bit more integrated because you had the whole DOM of WPFE in there. And I thought that was really kind of interesting. And it and it's just kind of been underplayed now. So now, I'm, I don't know which way to take that. Now, well, you brought up several technologies that we haven't talked about on the show. One is IBM Developer Works. Is that what you said? Right. That's a, a site. 
that IBM runs that mainly talks about uh, open source technologies or Java or things like that. Um, so I write a bunch of I write a whole article series for them on different AJAX uh, implementations. You know, I've been doing a, I guess now an eight article series on you know kind of a cookbook for AJAX stuff. If you want to do light boxes or you know, that okay. sort of thing. And then in addition to that, I I field questions from readers who have issues using uh, AJAX. And, and I, they yeah. can be anything from, you know, basic how do I get started type stuff to, you know, pretty complicated, you know, workflow type issues. It's interesting that, you know, a lot of people get hung up on the asynchronous nature of AJAX and how, you know, they need to get that, that push over that hump of, go, of going from synchronous programming where everything, you know, Every call gets an immediate return to asynchronous programming where, you know, you make the request, but it doesn't come back for a while and you don't want to have the person's browser hung up. Right. Uh, The other thing, Jack, you mentioned was Google Gears. Tell us about that. Google Gears is really cool, actually. Uh, They came out, what, I guess, um, only five or six months ago. It's It's a set of three different technologies that you can download to, I think almost every browser now. Um, there is, I think the most interesting one is the the database, which is a an SQL Lite uh, client side database that you can use for anything you want. And the page can basically in JavaScript say, you know, if Google Gears is installed, create me a new database. Here are some tables, and uh, and that would be persisted locally, you know, based on the page. So you can't get it uh, cross page data uh, issues like that. Um, and I've, I've done some interesting stuff with it. You know, there's there, there's a potential for, like, offline... What The way they use it is for offline RSS reading in Google Reader. Uh, mm-hmm. So you can go and uh, download all your RSS feeds before you jump on the train and lose Wi-Fi connectivity and still get, you know, enough uh, stuff that you can browse around. Um there's another two technologies there. There's uh, a worker pool thing that allows you to do like a client side thread model and also a, uh, an object store. So you can go and cache things like images and stuff like that for offline access. So it's a, it's a full offline suite. So, and I think they've actually come up with a few new things and we're le- you know, going to actually release or something like that. It's really pretty cool. It's interesting that we, you know, we often have, uh, sometimes we have people who have experience with Java and then have made the leap to .NET, but you're really in the, in the web space and in different platforms and stuff, which I honestly, I gotta admit, I have no idea what's out there, like in the IBM world for, for web development. I know that the cold fusion is still very popular and, um, you know, what are, what are some of these, development technologies and, and is there anything like visual studio out there as far as development that's, yeah that's an interesting question i mean um hmm. well you know uh eclipse is obviously big in the in the java space and i'd say that's probably the closest you're going to get to like a visual studio style experience i i, I don't see a lot of people looking for that kind of drag and droppy type feel um, in the open source world. Like an example is, uh, the Ruby on Rails folks really tend to gravitate around this tool called TextMate, which is a, you know, pretty simple text editor that has a nice little tab of, uh, of 
files along the side and does some nice, you know, it has some nice macro abilities and things like that. Works really well under Mac OS X. Um, and that seems to be their, their tool of choice. In comparison, like, of feature for feature, Visual Studio completely blows that away, but, you know, it just seems to work well for that particular group. Um, so they like it. Yeah, um, I, I, I think there's some interesting. Sorry. Okay, I was go just going to say the rest of the world seems to like text editors just fine. Yeah. And is, is that really the way that we're developing? I mean, it struck me in your description of these different environments. You're like the only guy on the planet not afraid of JavaScript. So my immediate thought was, so how do you like coding in JavaScript? Do you just do it in Notepad and see if it works or not? Um, I actually, I, I use Visual Studio for, for JavaScript. Um, okay. It does nice syntax highlighting, things like that. Um, I generally tend to first uh, debug in uh, Firefox because it's got a nicer debugger than IE, um, and then see if it's compatible with IE. And Problem is nowadays, uh, because IE 7 has changed the XML HD request style, uh, between IE 6 and 7, you actually have to test on both nowadays, which can be frustrating because, you know, you can't have them both installed on one machine. So are you ready for the big news? Telerik is taking the wraps off four new product updates. RAD controls for ASP.NET, RAD controls for WinForms, the first official version of the Telerik reporting tool, and a brand new suite codenamed Rad Controls Prometheus. And you guys think I don't sleep. Telerik's tools have always been great, but I think this time they've outdone themselves. Well, here are the details. Prometheus is built on top of Microsoft ASP.NET Ajax, and it'll become the successor of Rad Controls for ASP.NET. Just as ASP.NET Ajax will be the future of ASP.NET, Rad Controls Prometheus represents the future direction of all new Telerik development tools. This new suite of controls will also pave the way for seamless integration with Microsoft Silverlight, formerly WPFE. The WinForm suite aims for the stars with powerful new grid, chart, and tree view controls. For me, it seems like a major player on the WinForms market. Another intriguing addition to Telerik's portfolio this spring is Telerik Reporting, the product introduces a new level of development experience, which Telerik collectively calls easeability, a naturally intuitive mouse-only approach to generating Windows, Web, and PDF reports. And if that's not enough, go to www.telerik.com to check out what's new with Telerik's renowned RAD controls for ASP.NET. We've got a bunch of different environments here or different techniques for building code on the browser. And I'm sure we're going to spend time with each one of them. You mentioned so many. I'm almost intimidated. Uh, and all of them, one degree or another, utilize JavaScript. Uh, but I don't, did we, have we really talked about Flex yet? Because it's, well, I guess I really want to talk about Flash, but Flex is Flash, isn't it? Yes. Flex is built on top of Flash. So talk, let's right. talk about that. Let's, starting with, you know, what's different about it from Flash and then maybe the developer experience. So Flex is an interesting thing. It's, it's, um, it's an XML language that is compiled into, uh, ActionScript that runs on top of Flash. So you can think about it in the same way that people think about, um, WPF and XAML. Uh, this is another one of those XML UI languages 
But this time you're compiling into Flash, and Flash has obviously a you know, far greater reach at this point than, for example, uh, Silverlight. So you can you have access to the entire Flash toolkit, but you don't actually have to deal with the the kind of Flash UI development stuff that you get if you're just going to develop with their uh, their kind of Flash editor, right? It's meant more for business applications where you have tabs and you have buttons and you have text edit fields and you want to submit forms to web services and things like that. It makes all of that really easy. They, for example, there's a, a data grid control that will do, you know, it's kind of a spreadsheety type thing. It does column sorting and stuff like that. And you can basically, and just without any code at all, hook up an XML-based web service to the data grid, see the data, and click around and do all that sort of stuff. And then, you know, you can go hog wild nuts on it. You could go and have, you know, editors and things like that. So it's, it's a full toolkit for doing, well, you know, the rich Internet applications that people are talking about. Certainly, you can see, uh, uh, like, a, a Silverlight getting there eventually. Um, you know, Silverlight kind of has, like, Flash 1.0 or 2.0 style abilities at this point. I think 2.0, they brought in scripting, so it's like a 2.0. And eventually they'll get to the point where there's there's buttons and everything else. I mean, I'd love to see WPFE have a, the 3D engine that WPF had in it because that's super right. sexy. But uh, I think it's going to be a bigger download when that happens. Hmm. And you called it you called Flex a toolkit, but is it actually a development environment? Is this where you build the code? Oh uh, well, there's so there's a couple of different options. You can download the SDK for free from Flex.org, and that's it really is free. Um, and then there is a an Eclipse-based uh, IDE for Flex called Flex Builder uh, that you can use to debug the code, and 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 it'll give you hinting on all the uh, attributes and all that kind of fun stuff. And it'll even do it, it does all that nice stuff that, that uh, Eclipse is so well known for, which is you know, compiling your code in the background and giving you updates on the fly as to whether it's going to run or not. So, you know, you don't even have to get to the point of running it to see if it works sometimes. You know, a lot of times it'll tell you right off the bat, you know, oops, you're missing a semicolon here or whatever, that type of thing. Um, and for a recent article, I actually did some integration of the Flex SDK into Microsoft Visual Studio to see how they kind of played together. And it actually turned out really well. I wanted to make sure that, you know, if I were to recommend... Uh, you know, Flex as an option to .NET developers that it really played like something that would work with .NET. And, you know, so I had a couple of criteria for that. You know, one is, you know, you had to be able to compile it in Visual Studio. So if you had the file open in Visual Studio and you, you know, made a change that would go and run the, the Flex compiler and, and give you the flash, uh, it, it can do that. Um, another thing was it had to go and play nice with uh, the, the standard ASMX ASP.NET web services. And amazingly, I just did, uh, you know, a, literally build me the ASMX, you know, from the wizard and it created an ASMX that returned, you know, hello world, that type of thing. And Flex talked to that right out of the bat, you know, no, no issue at all. So no having to change the, the web services. And then, uh, it also, um, what was my third criteria? I'm blanking on that, but it, it, yeah, basically I wanted it all to kind of work together and get, oh, yeah, I know. Uh, I wanted to go and build, have it sort of integrated well into pages. So, you know, it had like controls and things like that. So 
you know, the first page that I did was kind of a, you know, an object tag in place, which is how you bring a Flash movie onto a page. And then a second version used a user control, and the third version I built a web control, and all that worked just fine. So, you know, it, the end result is it felt a lot like an ASP.NET control, except that it was using Flex instead of a Microsoft technology. Jack, um, do you used to work, or do you still work at uh, Macromedia? Um, I used to work at Macromedia years back. Um, and, you know, I still I play poker with the Macromedia folks every Every Monday, so yeah, I still have contacts there. Okay, and so, that's like pre four before Adobe bought them. Um, I I actually left I think a couple of days before Adobe that that merger was finalized. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was, the commute was killing me. I had to get up in the, into the city all the time. That was killing me. So I got a couple questions for you. Sure. One is, how come there are all these different versions of Flash like things? that seem to, at least me, to the outside guy, seem to be very similar, like Dreamweaver and Flash and Flex and other things. I mean, are there real differences between these things? Well, Dreamweaver is meant primarily for HTML development. Um, it kind of looks at each page like a site, like a bunch of pages, and you can do Visual Studio-style projects and things like that. It's really good for web designers, um, you know, people who are looking to go and put together CSS and, and see how that rolls across the site, that sort of stuff. So it um, doesn't really have any animation stuff? I thought Dreamweaver was like a sort of a early version of Flash. No, doesn't I, there was really early on a JavaScript uh, helper function stuff that would allow you to go and say, I want this you know, div to move from here to here. And it would write the JavaScript code that would make that happen for you. But um, that is Flash. I think Flash was a, I don't know, it, it, was, it was a technology acquisition from Macromedia long before I got there. Okay. Um, but it definitely, you know, wasn't anything that, that I was involved in. And then I got into, you know, actually, I was on the Flex Builder team for a little while. Well, it just goes to show, you know, when you're not working with these technologies, how perceptions are so different. You know, I only... Yeah, you can only pick up what you hear and what you you know hear people talking about. Yeah, I I hope I'm not you know giving people this impression that all this is, is crazy stuff. This is you know it's pretty standard stuff out in the, out in the real world. I mean, everybody has Flash because you know we all go to YouTube and places yeah. like that. We all know what that is. You know? Yeah, yeah. But I remember you know when we were on the road trip in 2005 talking to some folks that were trying to develop with Flash against .NET and having a terrible time of it. And now really? in 2007, it seems like things are pretty straight ahead. Well, they were actually, yeah. these were guys who uh, wanted, who were using web services with Flash, oh. calling web services, but they had built an API to do it. And then we got an email from somebody who said uh, they didn't need to do that. The, in the latest version of Flash, there was uh, support for web services. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this one that currently Flex has built in, you know, a full-on set of web services that allow you to get to either XML-based services, just like RSS feeds, things like that, or uh, SOAP-based services. So it does all that that SOAP transit for you. And they've got their own like AMF, I think, or something like that. It's like a binary format that makes it a little faster or something. Mm. I, I didn't deal with that for this particular article, but you could, you know, go that way if you wanted. I mean, okay. for me, I think the value in going with 
like an XML-based protocol is you know, not only can you have Flex talk to it today, but if you want to migrate, you can have Silverlight talk to it tomorrow. Sure. That sort of thing. And, and, and you know, in, in you're giving that API out to anybody who wants to use it. So now you've got something that you can sell to your customers and say, hey, listen, you know, you can make a widget of this, a widget, and have it go and read our XML API as well. So. Yeah, this whole give away the SDK and then sell the development environment for it, it seems familiar. Right. <laughs> I don't know where I've seen that before. You know, think yeah, about that. frankly. Yeah. yeah. You know, and then just to, I think we sort of run around on what the potential of Flex here and I, and the flex.org site's fascinating because it's got, Hey, are you a cold fusion developer? Are you a Java developer? Are you a .NET developer? Here's some samples for each one. Right. But then after all of that, you're telling me mostly you develop, uh, Ajax for ASP.NET. Me personally, I, I, my full time job is ASP.NET. So that's my nine five gig. But I also do a lot of these articles and things like that to kind of keep my chops up with various yeah. technologies. So I, I've done it all. I mean, I've done Ajax with PHP. I've done Ajax with uh, Rails. Um, the only one I actually kind of hesitate around is Java, not because I don't like the technology, but because I find that as a platform, it's tough to figure out what the the gold standard is. Right. Um, nobody seems to know, like, you know, is it... Uh, yeah, J2EE, the JSF, is it blah, blah, blah. I mean, there's, there's, you know, 15 different technologies out there. And the nice thing about ASP.NET is, you know, everybody's pretty much doing the same thing. You know, everybody's using Visual Studio. Everybody's making user controls. Everybody's making web controls. Everybody's using, you know, I guess ADO. I mean, you could go back to ODBC, but you know, there's not, just not that many options. Yeah. So when Java's, you write an article, you know, you know where you stand. Yeah. Java's got that Unix flavor curse thing now. Yeah. Yeah, it all depends on which incarnation you want to work with. Right now, when you were doing uh, Ajax with say PHP, that strikes me as pretty close to the metal. You're writing a lot of the HTTP uh, uh, request code in in JavaScript yourself. Um, yes, you can, <clears throat> but uh, generally speaking, most people use a library nowadays. So that would right. be something like. Uh, yeah, prototype.js is very popular. jQuery is very popular. Dojo is very popular. Um, you know, these are all really nice wrappers where they're very well tested against all the different clients. So you don't have to worry about, you know, this version of XML HTTP request versus that version. And I strongly recommend, you know, if, if your business is not in keeping up to date with all these browser things, which really nobody's business is doing that, then you use <laughs> one of these toolkits. Yeah. yeah. You let the toolkit guys worry about the version changes. Exactly. Let them go through all the debugging and all that hoo-ha. You, know, <laughs> you can go and work on solving customer problems. That's what we all want to do. Yeah, indeed. I also think, you know, ASP.net is just a more meat and potatoes tool than than a than a flash or, or something else. I mean you can just develop just about anything with it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The nice thing about PHP is it kind of scales from flat HTML all the way up into a web application. So it really works well on that low range. If you want to go and just add in, you know, a little database query here or a little web service call there, you know, yeah. you can just tweak the page a little bit where, you know, you don't have to go and create an application and have, you know, the binaries and all that sort of stuff. So it, it really does hit that very, very low point very well. And another thing is that you can always go and get, you know, the 
the 999, I'm, I'm actually sure it's, it's probably far less nowadays, hosting site, and they all run PHP as part of their standard installation. So, you know, it, it's pretty easy to pick these things up and take them anywhere. And there are a lot of little great applications for, based on PHP, like PHPDB, which is mm-hmm. a great bulletin board. Uh, there's uh, Joomla and a couple other CMS engines. So there's a lot of stuff that you, you can uh, get to kind of boot up your applications pretty quickly. Joomla, CMF, what did you just say? Joomla, I think it is, J-O-O-M-L-A. Okay. It's a yeah. CMF application, what's that? Uh, content management system. Oh, okay, CMS, oh, I no, see. Uh, forums, I guess. Didn't uh, hear your wiki. F, or S, rather. Another variation on the community server, .NET news. Sure. Right, absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, I, I got to bring this back to, uh, I got to mention this before. I know Richard's got a question for you, but I got to talk about uh, the ultimate chord book. Thank uh-huh. you for that. That's awesome. What? So Jack is a guitar player and he wrote this website called www.ultimatechordbook.com where you can plug in keys and modes and you can, and it shows you uh, a graphic um, of chord, the chord or the scale. And you can pick a range of octaves for the scales and a position for the chords, and it's and it's pretty awesome. And it's free. There you go. It was actually, uh, you mentioned earlier about my not being scared of JavaScript, and that was actually my first experience writing JavaScript. That was, I must be a dozen years ago now, but writing that uh, scale system where you just click on a, a fret and it builds the scale for you dynamically there's no server refresh there. You know, yeah. I don't go back to the server for that. That's all in JavaScript written, I don't know, uh, you know, a dozen years ago. So, so Richard, you pick like Aeolian and then the number of octaves, <laughs> one, two, three are unlimited. And then you just click on a string and a fret. I'm sorry. You said Aeolian? Aeol- Aeolian. It's, it's one of the modes. <laughs> it's one of the modes. You know, Dorian, right. Phrygian, Lydian, Mixolydian, Aeolian, Locrian, Chromatic, you know, all those. All, All right, music geeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, yeah, I didn't know you were a guitar player. If I had known, uh, I would have. Yeah. I would have gone and had a, gotten a coffee. You guys could have just gone to town. Well, there we won't go. dominate the conversation now with guitar stuff. I promise. But I just do <laughs> want to know one thing: is uh, you know anybody who's into modes is into jazz. Are you a jazz player? Um, I wish. I'm not, I'm just not that talented. I, you know, I kind of stay with the rock stuff. It was actually, uh, what that is is a web port of a very, very old application I wrote after I first got married, uh, which was a, an application called, uh, Fret Navigator on the Macintosh. And it was back in the days of, you know, speed metal and that sort of stuff. And man, those guys loved the, uh, scale builder because that's, that's what all that hyper speed metal is about is, is going through those, those scales really quickly in kind of a, you know, Eddie Van Halen style way with either tapping or picking or all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I, I call it really music. It's just, you know, how fast can you play it? No offense, but I call that musical masturbation. You know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how fast can you play your scales? Yeah, it looks like that on stage too. So. <laughs> Uh, it's been a long time since we were dirty on this show, Richard. We gotta uh-huh. say it sometime. <laughs> so, all right. Well, anyway, thanks for the ultimate chord book. Now we return oh, to our okay. regularly scheduled technical podcast, .NET Rocks. <laughs> <laughs> 
because I wanted to get into ASP.NET Ajax. And uh, yeah. putting it in context here, again, you're the JavaScript guy, and you've worked in all these different platforms. And I've always got the impression that Microsoft is going to great lengths to insulate the developer from the JavaScript. That's okay. You know, I think for a lot of a lot of engineers, that's fine. They, they want to be able to just drag and drop a control and not worry about it. And and as I said, you know, with the prototype and dojo stuff, if it's not your concern, you know, why bother with it? If it's right. if it is something as simple as you know, here's an update panel. I just want this thing updated every couple of seconds. That's great, you know. But if it's something more complicated where you actually want some kind of more interesting interaction on the on the the server or things like that. You know, or on the client where you're going and disabling things and re-enabling stuff. You know, you can you can use Atlas like you would use Dojo, and it, and it gives you a lot of benefit there. It's a little fatter than Dojo is, but whatever. You know, that's fine as long as it's in the browser cache. It doesn't really matter. Um, and and you can use it that way. In fact, on the uh, the Atlas site, you know, they talk about how you can use this with PHP, and you and you can. The only thing that it was really kind of insular about it is that yeah, you know, when you use the the web controls from the framework, then you're yeah, you're gonna get the uh you're just gonna be able to drag and drop stuff and have it handle all that stuff for you. So without a doubt there's still a time when you're gonna dive into some JavaScript if you really want to take advantage of what AJAX can do for you. I think so. Yeah. Right. It, it, in, invariably you end up there some way. It, it, you just want to insulate yourself from the stupid stuff. You don't want to, you know, go in there because you need to make an XML request. There's a whole bunch of libraries that, you know, will do that for you and you don't have to deal with that, right? You should be in there for good reasons. Like, for example, if you want to, if you want to combine, uh, Silverlight at the JavaScript level with some web services, uh, they do a Flickr mashup or something like that, um, you can use, uh, a library to go and get you the JSON from Flickr, which is how they return all their data. And then you can use JavaScript on your page to go and add dynamically images to the Silverlight object that are those that reference the Flickr images that you got the URLs to from Flickr. And we better define JSON just to be sure. Right. Right. So JSON is, right. JSON is the JavaScript object notation. Uh, which is, yeah, you can get data back from the server in any variety of languages. Right. One is text, or you can get HTML, or you can get XML, which is, you know, what people think about when they think about AJAX. Uh, or you can get JSON, JavaScript Object Notation, which is basically serialized JavaScript, which you then eval in the client, and it gives you back a structure as opposed to uh, a bunch of tags. So it's, right. it's very efficient for clients to read JSON because it's basically just JavaScript and they can eval it really quickly and get, get the data out. And when people show you, you know, this is my client having, that reads XML, it's kind of pokey in comparison to the clients that read JSON because JSON is just so quick to go get. Hmm. And so a lot of APIs that you're seeing nowadays return JSON as an option. In fact, I've noticed, I think, ASMX nowadays, isn't there the slash JS option? I haven't yeah. played with it, but, you know, that'll return you JS. And that's great. Hey, I just want to give a shout-out real quick to our friends at Data Dynamics who uh, make ActiveReports.net, among other really awesome things. 
ActiveReports.net is great because uh, it allows you to just build your reports with an easy editor, embed them right in your application, provide PDF and HTML output, give your end users a report editor, royalty-free, of course, a great access report upsizing wizard, and all this for a price that isn't going to break the bank. ActiveReports.net from Data Dynamics. Go check it out now at datadynamics.com. From a coding perspective, when you receive JSON, now you're simply working with the object in JavaScript, right. as opposed to when you got that glob of XML and you had to write DOM-based X queries to try and find data out of it. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly. just a lot more natural for the developer. I just, I, you know, I always worry about. It's the, I know the moment I'm going to open a window and start writing some JavaScript, suddenly I'm responsible for making sure this runs on all the browsers. And that just yep. gives me the willies every time. Well, you're yeah. spoiled, Richard, now. You know, we have .NET. It does that for you on the... A- a- exactly my point. That normally I'm surrounded by these tools that insulate me from this. The moment I'm down to the coding level where I'm, and I'm doing anything other than an if statement, you know, or some basic checks, I'm nervous. Uh, is this yep. going to work elsewhere? Uh, and you should be. And rightly so. I, I, you know, I think, you know, every time... People think about JavaScript and they go, oh, it's easy. You know, you just... It, you know, what, it, it, a big language, lie. That's a simple? big lie. It is. <laughs> yeah. it, it, but, it, well, it, it, it is in a certain sense. It, it's just, they're not calculating in the fact that later on down the line, you know, you're going to get somebody who wants Opera support or Safari support. And now how are you going to do that, right? Uh, thankfully, Safari is now over on Windows. So you don't have to buy a Mac to, to debug anymore. But, <laughs> yeah, it, it becomes a, a problem. That you, you, you've got this maintenance headache because now you're running code on a whole bunch of different platforms and JavaScript is certainly not write once run anywhere. It's, it's pretty close, but you're gonna, you're gonna learn some hard lessons. That's where its relationship to Java comes in. It's write once run maybe. Yeah. I mean, JavaScript, <laughs> the whole Java. Boy, did I actually throw that one out there? I, I liked it. I liked it. Uh, it's a joke. The, um, yeah, you learn pretty quickly when you take, uh, IE based, uh, JavaScript that it doesn't run natively on Firefox. And that's why I, I flipped it around so that, you know, in my work, I, I debug first on Firefox and then see if it runs on IE because that, that tends to be the way that goes a little smoother. Firefox is the standards compliant browser and blah, blah, blah. And IE is the one that's a little less strict. So it's easy to go from being standard compliant to being less strict. It's hard to go the other direction. So that brings us to Silverlight. Silverlight. To, in my thinking, Silverlight is really doing a, even more to push us away from JavaScript directly. Because of the new binary stuff? I think the binary approach, I think, you know, obviously you can write JavaScript to make a Silverlight call. But it just seems to me that this is when you get into this 1.1 edition with the DLR and so forth. Now I'm totally isolated again. I I don't even know about JavaScript, although right. one of the DLR languages is JavaScript. Sure, go figure. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, as if your brain wasn't twisted enough. <laughs> so what you you've obviously done some Silverlight work. What what uh, what have you done with it, and what do you like about it? Um. So the work that I did with it was we hack in my full-time job, we do a social network 
And one of the things that we provide to our customers is a set of RSS feeds that provide, uh, you know, a list of images that have been uploaded, things like that, or you know, recent people who've logged in and, and their profiles. So uh, what I did was provide like an, a Silverlight image kind of ranking system, like is this sexy or not type deal, uh, as a, kind of an example of how to mash up our RSS feeds through JavaScript with the VPF. And uh, we also had a guy come in and do a kind of a binary version of the same thing on Silverlight 1.0 where it was like a community browser and you could go and take various portions of the community exposed through RSS and kind of drill down into them through through a Silverlight interface, which is pretty cool. Um, I actually found the, the JavaScript stuff, at least in the early bit, is pretty hard to work with. Um, just the documentation certainly wasn't up to date with the beta that I had in hand and I was running into issues. Um, and then later on, there were some compatibility issues between the last few, uh, releases of the binary stuff, uh, so that, you know, when we had developed this, uh, the binary version, you had to have the exact right version of, of, of Silverlight, otherwise it wouldn't work. Okay. That, uh, and, and how did you do that with like a, uh, a thumbs up, thumbs down kind of thing? Uh, it is a five-star ranking system. Yeah. And you just kind of flip from image to image and, and do the little transition and you know, try to make it as sexy as an engineer like me could actually put together, which is not super sexy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I certainly saw the potential in that, right? If it, one of the real cool parts of uh, of Silverlight or Flash is that either way, you've got a runtime in there that's going to be faster than... DOM manipulations. So I, mean, yeah. I remember uh, I wrote an article a while back on doing uh, slideshows, Ken Burns style slideshows. I don't, you know, where you have the kind of image that starts small yeah. in the middle and pans and pans and grows and things like that. Right. And the response that I got was, well, hey, I'm, and I did this all in, in AJAX and DHTML. And the response that I got was, hey, you know, on my browser, which is, you know, a a Commodore 64, it, it doesn't look so good. It kind of jerks around <laughs> and does all this sort of stuff. Um, <laughs> Where the correct so, answer is, you've got a Commodore 64. Be grateful it's running at all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, no. I mean, <laughs> the problem was they were seeing you know, sort of a jerky performance issue, and right. that's the kind of thing that, that Flex and Silverlight can help you with, is that they're going to, yeah, you can say, move this image from here to here, and they'll do all the, you know, the threaded interpolation work and, and make it look super smooth and sexy and it's going to look great. Right. Um, and yeah. that's something DHML can't do today. You know, a lot of folks that have been playing with Silverlight have been focusing on stuff like it's video playback and things like that. But you mentioned WPF way off in the beginning and it seems to me that the focus of this version of Silverlight, this first version, is really on delivering WPF, that sort of XAML visualization to a browser. Mm-hmm. Is that, I mean, is that a certainly, is that a feature you've been playing with that you like? Uh, visualization in terms of, of movie playing or things like that? I mean, well, I not, I right, rather than movie, you know, I think most people talk about the movie playing, and I just don't see that as that important a part of Silverlight. Oh, I do. I mean, only from uh, a I, point I of view Microsoft of competing with Flash, sure. but. Yeah, uh, well, but not not just competing with Flash, but it enables people to compete with YouTube and things like that, but, you know, offer a. Real video solutions like DNR TV is going to use it for you know the 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 high def stuff is really good. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that when I went up to a Silverlight camp uh, up at Microsoft, um, that was that was their focus. And I, 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 there are three or four sessions dedicated to how do you make video work in uh, WPFE, and it got pretty dull after a while because it's like, well, you know, how much way? How many, how many different like, ways can we talk about showing a video? <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. And, but it was about you know how do you skin the player and how do you you know how do you find chapter marks and how do you encode it properly and you know, there are some issues but you know it, that was they really wanted the the YouTube killer I mean I, I I guess I can't speak for Microsoft but that that's certainly the impression that I took away from it I mean I think what you're talking about the data visualization I think that's pretty cool but it's under it's certainly under play I think the whole XAML side of of Silverlight is far more fascinating. This has mm-hmm. much more potential mm-hmm. in, in terms of creative, original development on the web. Right, exactly. And I think where you where you can kind of see that flourish is either you can take a look at, at WPF, the original one, uh, and say you know, eventually they're going to get there, which is great. You know, they're going to have all the layouts and, and they're going to have like 3D or not. I, yeah, that's that's kind of lark, but a full set of controls and all that sort of stuff. Or you can look at, at Flex and say, well, that's actually, that's kind of the same thing. You know, over on the, the Flash Camp, they have that sort of stuff, and that's that's taken out to the the far end of the abilities that, that, that Flash can provide. And they've got the same sort of deal as, 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 as WPF does. So WPFE is kind of this fledgling technology that's really good at video serving at the moment and also, you know, to a certain degree, doing this visualization stuff. You can do some graphing and things like that. And in typical Microsoft style, the video element of Silverlight is really bringing all the best of everything that everyone's ever done with video and putting it in one can that's coherent and relatively easy to use and is a complete solution. And it obsoletes right. lots of other technologies. I mean, right. it really does. Uh, the, the whole YouTube thing just made the idea of click and download this MP4 file, wait for it, and then load it so that you can just take up more room on your hard drive and then delete it later, you know, which is a horribly inefficient way to get video. Yeah, YouTube made that go away, and Silverlight's done it right, and that's very Microsoft, late to the market with the final solution kind of thing. Right. But I see the XAML side as the innovation, that this is something new, this is a different way of thinking about a problem, and sure, it's not fully ripe yet, but the potential is amazing. I agree, Richard. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right. And But to see that potential, you really have to dig back into the predecessor, because the WPFE, or Silverlight at this point, is not there, you know, with that level of XAML ability. Right. Is it just because the 3D is out? Well, I think there are, there's a bunch of other things as well. There's there's a lack of, of the control layers, and there's a lack of the layout stuff as well. Right. So, the, I mean, there's a lot of key features that folks... The funny part is we're already talking about WPF as the old technology, and it's barely come to fruition. Right. I would love to see great WPF stuff out there. I don't know where it is. I, I, I'm enthralled by that technology, but... It just seems just, to have been left on the line. Well, it's just very complex. I think developers are still trying to get their heads around it. Even guys like Mark Miller, who, you know, have dedicated them their lives to becoming WPF experts, are, are still are still digging into its depth and, you know, w- wondering about things. Yeah. And they're doing it every day. 
<laughs> I mean, it takes a particular type of you know, designer slash engineer to really grok it. You know, you have to, yes, you can have a designer skin it, but you you have to be able to build something so that it is skinnable. And that actually, I think, you know, takes a certain set oh, absolutely. of skills that not everyone has. Absolutely. Yeah, there's an artistic element here that, well, I think about just how ugly of Windows form some developers can build. <laughs> and then right. I consider the potential of WPF. I remember VB10. <laughs> no. I think going back to web 1.0, there is this train of thought that if you know JavaScript, that you're worth monetarily less than if you are the, the business logic database backend guy. And so there's this hesitancy among quote unquote real programmers to get into front end technologies like WPF and WPFE and and JavaScript and, you know, all that sort of stuff because it doesn't feel like a, like a, a real programming system. And what, you know, technologically, it couldn't be further from the truth. And I think right. Web 2.0 is, is taking us down that line. But I think also, you know, ASP.NET developers need to realize that, you know, Web 2.0 has, has put an emphasis on the front end. And to be a full programmer at this point, you really should understand the, all the technologies from the very, very front end to the, to the deep, deep back end and be able to take a feature from the soup to the nut, you know, all the way from the, yeah, from the front end of the back end. I like to say that developers think they're the chefs and the JavaScript programmers are the dishwashers of the world, you know? And it, and it's not, and the reality is the back end's working pretty well. We're trying to make the client better. And uh, now's the time to bring these things in. Well, all you have to do is go check out the Chord uh, application to to see some really elegant JavaScript at work, and you know the the what it does. And there is no accident that Visual Studio and ASP.NET generate JavaScript to do much of the magic that uh, that ASP.NET delivers. And so again, Microsoft's packaged it up for us so we don't have to write it ourselves. Right. It's like an, exactly. having an automatic dishwasher. <laughs> I, and I'm thinking about this problem of we, I, I keep waiting for the great WPF app and, and hopefully the, there'll be the, it'll be a WPFE app as well shortly thereafter. But, I, and I got to imagine that the, the stumbling block right now is that you need a designer who's also a developer or a developer who's really a designer because the the average designer is just not going to be willing to envision the full potential of what WPF can do. There's an element right. here of understanding what the programming language is capable of and then what you can visualize. You need to know both if you're going to be successful with this. Right. And I think so. Microsoft has sort of talked about and the evangelists, too, have talked about uh, separating the task into having a dedicated designer and and a developer. And in most shops, that's just not the case. And with new, untested technology, this, you know, this isn't the time to be hiring people to, to test it out. You know what I mean? So I think you're right. Everybody's waiting for that first killer app. Um, what about uh, Netflix? Netflix are they aren't they using Silverlight to uh, do video on demand? Really, I didn't know that. I haven't seen that. Well, they've been around since before. Uh, I thought they were migrating to Silverlight. Yeah, oh, maybe okay. they are migrating Silverlight. They have an and a play now, sort of like an instant movie thing. 
that if you're a member, huh. you can, for the same rate, you can just go and watch online. And I think it might be Flash, but it, it's going to be Silverlight or something. They showed something at Mix about this. But even then, that's still a video app. Well, you know, yeah. video is what people, was what the masses use. Just, I'm waiting for the all sphere UI. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. I just want, I'm, everything is a round ball that you twiddle. Yeah. You know, I don't know what it is. I'm always looking for the sports center UI. I want something that's got that, that big ball that comes out and, you know, that's got the great graphics and stuff like that. And, you know, something really sexy and cool, you know. Unfortunately, it's probably all that usable, but, you know, it's fun. <laughs> the, the one thing I don't understand is, is, is I saw this one demo recently, which was uh, iTunes rebuilt as Silverlight. And I, I couldn't, for the life of me, figure out why you would do that. And the guy did it, like, pixel by pixel, a, a, a re-envisioning, a, a rebuild of iTunes. And I'm just thinking to myself, you know, why? I mean, iTunes is a is a... Really nice piece of work. Uh, it, it, it's good. It's solid. It works all the time. It's a great application. You know, why not try something new? Why not re-envision the problem? You know, come at it from a, a different direction. You know, have the, the, the sphere of your songs and be able to spin it around or something like that and find things. I mean, I, that's what I'd like to see people try and do is try and do something new as opposed to, you know, basically take the same old deal and re-implement re it in, in Silverlight. I don't think there's anything interesting there. Yeah, d taking existing apps and making them into Silverlight apps is a questionable return. Maybe that's the basic complaint I have about all of these video implementations anyway. It's been done other ways, so you're redoing in Silverlight. Where's the really new thinking? Right, right, right. I, I honestly don't see what the advantage of, of Netflix... I mean, certainly they can they can build their their video delivery pages so that it says, well, do we have, a, do you have Silverlight installed? Yes or no? Well, if you do, then we'll, we'll bring it up on Silverlight. If you have Flash installed. Yeah, I think the advantage is the 720p high def uh, okay. vert stream. There you go. All right. Yeah. So it's an incremental improvement. It's still just video, but it's better video. I, right. I don't know, Richard. I think you're downplaying the importance of video. I think the video is the big application for Silverlight. Uh, you know, it's certainly, it might not make the most money, which is, I know where your mind is, but, um, <laughs> you know, uh, but it's certainly going to be the most widely used feature of Silverlight, bar none. Uh, you know, business applications, great. They'll, they'll generate a lot of revenue, but, you know, they're not going to be as widely used. Uh, I think I'm looking for something more innovative. A different way of doing something entirely. Not, I, not, I don't want an incremental improvement. I want a breakthrough. Yeah. Yeah. Jack, you right. got to build it. It's up to you, Jack. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Let's just do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, I would like to see... I, yeah, I, when you see Google do... Uh, yeah, I think their Google Finance application, and they they had a, a flash thing where you could you know zoom in on the graph and move it around. I mean, these are that's really cool. It is it, it's a it's a new way of thinking about it, and it it, it changes what you think about the browser. I mean, I think Web 2.0 was started because of Google Maps. You know, so somebody yeah. sat down and said, you know, and it was, and we go back to that developer designer thing. I don't know if uh, if, if that strict. Um, separation between those two roles can result in a Google Maps, right? Because you'd have to say, you know, right. one day the, 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 the 
the engineer guy would have to come up and say, you know what? I mean, I can just drag this map, you know, that sort of thing. I mean, it's, and that's it. That's all there is to it. Yeah. That's all the design is. It's not, it's not a artistic expression. It's uh, taking data that's already there, being able to zoom in and zoom out and move around. That's it. Right. Absolutely. I think the real breakthrough that came from Google Maps was, A, it was nice to pull together satellite imagery, uh, 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 aerial photography and so forth into a seamless thing that was all geolocated so that you couldn't tell where one started and the other one ended. But where Google Maps went crazy was when I was able to integrate Craigslist into it. I was, you know, able to grab these other apps and say, use this address data to locate it in Google Maps. I would also say right. that also coined the term mashup. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So, you ready for my re envisioning of iTunes? Oh, oh, ah. Okay, you ready? I'm going to go for it. I've got this okay. vision now. I'm using, I'm using WPF or, or XAML or something like that because I, what I want to show is I want to be able to pick an album and, and gradually appearing around it, gently flying in the albums that are most related to it. So that what's right beside it are other albums by the same artists that are similar or or albums that sound similar by other, by different artists. uh, And they get more different as they get further away. Going to need some analysis services, some data mining there, buddy. Well, absolutely. This is the thing is I'm, we know that that's been done too, right? There's other tools out there where I say, given this album, I get a list of other songs. I'm talking about the visualization. Right, that yeah. I want to see that my eye is naturally drawn, that I naturally solve, that the most related things are closest. Mm-hmm. Now throw in, yeah, they did that. The grandmother gets the idea that maybe I'd like this other band because it's close to the one I'm listening to. Exactly. Grandmother exactly. listens to Alice Cooper, finds that uh, you know that she also might like. Uh, oh, what's Motley that crazy? Crew. Yeah, Motley Crue. <laughs> exactly. God, and, and, and here's the grandmother Richard. Again. I, yeah. what did, where did that come? From? Oh well, <laughs> the the non technical person. She likes Guy Lombardo, and she might like Lawrence Welk. You know, right? <laughs> Maybe if you really want to uh, drill into visualization, the guy to read is Edward Tufty. Oh, definitely. We like Tufty. Well, yeah, Napoleon's March to Russia, right? Napoleon's March to Russia. And he had a, an excellent one on uh, the Challenger explosion that showed that the data for uh, deciding to not launch the Challenger on that day was all there. Morton Cycle had put together this horrible table with all these little annotations all over it, impossible to read, that if you had read it and understood it, would have told you, don't launch the Challenger. But right. it just, you know, nobody had visualized it in that way. So when he, he re-envisioned it with a graph showing little rockets and basically said, look, we've never, every time we fire off one of these rockets, the, the colder it gets, the, the worse things happen. And now you're talking about, you know, launching one of these things when it's near freezing, which we've never done before. There's going to be a problem, you know, and it's pretty clear. So data visualization is, is really important. Yep. And, yeah. and ultimately, data visualization comes down to this UI. I, I want data visualization that I can manipulate. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's the purpose of a computer, right? To give you what if, you know, to be able to, to look around, to be able to in, in, interact with, with the system. I, I like your idea. And I think it'd be an interesting mashup. I'd love to see some of these services that give you, uh, I, you know, there, there's ones where you give it the name of a song and it'll give you, uh, an endless playlist of 
songs that sound like that. Um, be able to say, you know, I, I want, uh, you know, the five albums that, that sound a lot like Steely Dan's Asia or, or whatever, you know, not sound a lot or have that same theme. Um, and there is a lot of data mining that, that has been done about this. And it's actually humans doing all that work, but, right. uh, it'd be great to be able to visualize that. Unfor- and the nice thing is if, if iTunes or any other music provider were to do that for you, they could make a lot of money because they're going to say, you're going to look over this other album and say, wow, you know, Donald Fagan, nice fly. I'm all about that. You know, that, that sounds good. I'm going to Yeah, I was going to say, the only things that sound like Steely Dan Asia is more Steely Dan, you know. Donald Fagan. Yeah, we're Donald Fagan. Yeah. You darn guitar geeks. Oh, well, that's the stuff, man. That's Larry Carlton, actually. Larry Carlton, who was the guitar player on that. He also did the arranging on that whole album. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Sorry, Richard. I know you feel left out right now, but I'm just fine. It's all music I really enjoy. But guys, I think we're out of time. Yeah, we are. Oh, this has been a real pleasure, guys. Certainly has. Uh, any last minute uh, words to the wise there before we hang up, Jack? Keep your mind open, I'd say. Well, you certainly have done a good job of that. And uh, <laughs> thanks for being on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You bet. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Plop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers. Online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a transmitter band by the FCC. Yes, I'm a 